Good morning. It is not an accident you are here today. All right. Well, as Logan just said, we are wrapping our Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, Spirit-filled life series. We are going to focus on that passage that you just heard read from 1 Corinthians 12. But first, would you please join me in a quick prayer? Lord, we are gathered here this morning in your name. It's for you. And Jesus, we thank you that you have made that possible. You make all things possible. Holy Spirit, we know that you're always on the move. But right now, I give you an even greater invitation to come in, move, teach, heal, illuminate, direct, redirect, inspire, activate, and it is in the name of Jesus that we pray, amen. All right, well, this morning's message is a continuation of a message that I gave a few weeks ago called The Wonderful Gift of the Spirit. And this morning, what I wanna to talk to you about is the gifted church. So when I was here a few weeks ago, we talked about the Holy Spirit being a gift that he is a gift in and of himself. And we talked about Jesus being God's gift to the world and the Holy Spirit being his gift to his children. And for those of you who weren't here before, we went a little bit deeper than that. And what we really did is we looked at the who, what, where, when, and why of the Holy Spirit. So who is he? He's a person. He's a comforter, he's a guide, he's an advocate. He is the dynamic power in the Trinity. Where is he? He's inside of us. We have an eternal deposit of him, and yet, as we know, we can have more. We can be filled with more. What does he do? He empowers the children of God. Why? So that we can fulfill the mission of Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. And when, when does he do this? Well, he's been around since the very beginning, but this work really kicked off when the church was birthed on the day of Pentecost. And so today what I wanna talk about is how, how he does what he does. Uh, put a pin in that for just a moment. Because when I was here before, I also told you about this trip that I took to celebrate my mom's 70th birthday. And when I told you about the trip, I made it sound really idyllic and perfect. And it was, it was an amazing weekend. But what I didn't tell you was how hard it was getting there and how stressful and chaotic the lead up to the entire thing was. And that's mainly because my family members would call me over and over again because it was not only for my mom, but we invited her siblings and their kids and their kids. So it was a really big group of us that went to celebrate. And my other family members would call me and they would say things like, well, how can you afford to do all of this? You know what, that's okay. We'll just pay for ourselves. We will pay for our own part. And I finally said, you know what guys, I don't want your money. You know what I want? 
What I want is for each one of you to show up as the best version of yourselves. For you to do what only you can do. For you to bring your talents to the forefront and help make a great weekend. And so what I wound up doing is basically giving everyone an assignment. I put my uncle Wendell in charge of the music because he likes to make playlists on CDs. <laughs> I put my sister Leah in charge of decorations because she has a great creative eye. I put my uncle Pee Wee who has retired and the only thing he likes to do that I can tell is watch HGTV. So we put him in charge of watching the babies on the couch. <laughs> and I'm being serious, those babies were so happy watching people flip houses all day. <laughs> and so whether it was leading an activity or making a meal or just helping to clean up, when everybody did what they could do well, when everybody brought their talent forward, it made for an unforgettable, amazing weekend. And I just wonder sometimes why the church can't be the same way when it comes to our spiritual gifts. Why we can't see that God is inviting us into something great. Why we can't see what Paul is saying so clearly in 1 Corinthians 12, that each one of us has a gift, that each gift has value, that we should desire to use our gifts well, and that when we do, something amazing happens, something the world has never seen before. Because as I told you the last time I was here, you are not ordinary. You have been called into something great, and you've been called to do something big, and you don't have to do it alone. You have the body of Christ, and you have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit brings us three things. Hit me. He brings us spiritual fruit, spiritual gifts, and supernatural unity. Come on. <laughs> he brings us spiritual fruit, spiritual gifts, and supernatural unity. And we don't have time, unfortunately, to get too much into fruit today. We're gonna focus mainly on gifts, but I do wanna offer just a couple of notes on fruit in relation to gifts. Okay, now, you all know that there are nine qualities, nine values that comprise the singular fruit of the Spirit. They are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, or what the old school folks call meekness, and self-control. Now, why am I saying this to you? Because the fruit that is the primary evidence that you have the Holy Spirit working in your life. It's not power. It's not gifts. It is the fruit of the Spirit. That's how we know he's walking with you. Fruit powers gifts. 
But what I see happening a lot of times is we have fruit and gifts conflated. We have them in the wrong place. We have to put them back in the right place. The gift is free. And yet for some reason, we wanna work for the gift. We wanna earn the gift. We wanna burn holy for the gift. And we want the fruit to just appear. And unfortunately, it doesn't work that way because fruit is grown and gifts are given. My God, I feel the Holy Spirit in here. Fruit is grown and gifts are given. Listen, you can pray all day long to be loving or to be a kind person, okay? And get up in the morning and be the same way all over again. Because if you really, if you really want to see kindness, for example, erupt in your life, you're going to have to be intentional about planting seeds of kindness and watering seeds of kindness and letting kindness grow and letting it mature year after year during different seasons of your life. That's how fruit comes to be. And in order for our fruit to grow and to mature, we're gonna have to stay connected to the vine. We're gonna have to stay connected to the Lord. Otherwise, trying to produce all that fruit of the Spirit on your own, that's how you get tired out. You can't do it. Fruit requires connection. Gifts require commitment. Do you see where we're going with this? And the Holy Spirit brings us both. He brings us both fruit and gifts, why? So we can be united. He wants unity. He wants unity between you and God and you and God's people. But as usual, we have a problem. And the problem is that when we look around and we look at the church and we look at the body of Christ, we usually don't see unity whether it is talking about your taste in worship music or Bible translations or who you like to listen to preach or how you feel about mega churches, we don't see a lot of unity. We struggle to see that beautiful balance between fruit and gifts that is supposed to lead to unity. And yet unity is what we need more than ever in the body of Christ. So we're gonna move on to gifts now and just look at why Paul had to address any of this in the first place. So first, it's important to remember when you're reading through Corinthians, it's important to remember who Paul is talking to. And the Corinthians, God bless them, they, they have a wacky church, like all churches. Um, they are wonderful people, but they have a lot of drama and they have a lot of infighting happening. And one of the things that Paul has to address among many is their boasting about spiritual gifts. They are boasting about their spiritual gifts, trying to use them to outdo one another and trying to show off. And Paul is like, guys, you've got it completely wrong. That is not why spiritual gifts have been given. Spiritual gifts have been given, he says, for the profit or for the benefit of all. Now, what is a spiritual gift? Simply put, 
It's an expression. It's an empowering from the Holy Spirit that blesses and strengthens you so you can turn around and bless and strengthen someone else in the body of Christ. And the key word in spiritual gift is gift. We have done nothing to earn them. I know that can be a little bit hard for some of us to accept because we like to work hard. We don't like people insinuating that we didn't work hard to get where we are. But when it comes to spiritual gifts, that's not the case. You've received one for free. You received it the moment you put your faith in Christ and received the Holy Spirit. God has nothing for sale. He just gives because he's good. Not only are spiritual gifts free, they're not even reserved for the most mature people. In fact, they're given to very imperfect people. You don't get one after you've been in church for 10 years. And like I said, you don't get one after you've matured or reached some certain level. How do we know this? Well, the Corinthians are very imperfect and they're very immature. And yet we see them operating a plethora of gifts. And if you're thinking to yourself, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why would God give gifts to these imperfect, immature people that are always making mistakes? And as one of my teachers says, it's because God isn't Santa Claus. Santa sees you when you're sleeping and he knows when you're awake. He knows when you've been bad or good. Oh, y'all were quick with that. Santa is not God, and God is not Santa. The Santa mentality goes against everything you now know to be true. The Santa mentality goes against what you now know about Jesus. And what you know about him, if you know nothing else, is that he doesn't just give us gifts when we are good and perfect. He gives us gifts when we've missed the mark and when we've been bad too. Why? Because he's good. And broadly speaking, y'all, broadly speaking for a moment, this is why we don't give up on people. We don't give up on people. When you see people, they're, they're living, they're out in the world, uh, you know, they have no relationship with the Lord. They don't know the word. They don't really like God. They are dead and dry inside, just dead and dry. We do not give up on them. Because you know what's unique about dead and dry things? They catch on fire easily. And isn't that how our God likes to show up? An all-consuming fire. Dead, dry things don't bother him. That is another opportunity for him to show up and show out and show his saving grace. Don't give up on dead, dry people. You pray for them. Okay. Now, getting back to gifts for just a moment. Let me just say, I'm going to shift down for a moment that I recognize, I'm, I'm keenly aware, but when we're talking about spiritual gifts, 
um, there can be an unease. There can be an uncertainty there. Um, and when that happens, I have two theories for, for why that happens. Um, I think that if you have a feeling of uncertainty or unease, uh, you might fall into one of two uh, categories. Either uh, a fear or a forgetfulness of the spiritual gifts. Fear or forget. And I want to tackle fear first. When I say that a person might have a fear of the spiritual gifts, I want to be clear that I say that with no condemnation and no judgment whatsoever. Because usually if a person has a fear of spiritual gifts, it's because they've had a bad experience with them. It might be that they've seen someone manifest their gifts at an odd time, or they have been made to feel like they don't measure up because they don't possess a certain spiritual gift, or more common, you have seen someone operating their spiritual gifts in a very forceful way, in a way that made you uncomfortable. And on that last point, I just wanna say, it can be so painful when we see gifted Christians try to operate their gifts without having the maturity that they need, without having the fruit that they need, specifically doing it without the love that they need. Operating a gift with no love, just forgetting about the love altogether. Because love is patient and it is kind and it doesn't envy and it doesn't boast. The Apostle Paul wrote those words, not about weddings, not about families, not about new relationships. He wrote them in relation to spiritual gifts. He wrote them in the chapter that follows this one. But you know what else Paul said? He said that we have not been given a spirit of fear. 2 Timothy 1.7, for we have not been given a spirit of fear. Now you've heard that scripture a million times. You've heard people quote it over and over again. But do you know when Paul said it? I want to look at 2 Timothy, but this time instead of jumping to 1.7, I want to start in 1.5 and show you when and what he said. 2 Timothy 1.5, I remember your genuine faith. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know the same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. Even Timothy, even Timothy, the great successor to Paul, needed to be reminded that he had received a spiritual gift, that he had received even more along the way, and that it was okay to embrace the spiritual gifts. We live in a very broken world, and sometimes we're going to encounter other Christians 
that miss the mark and that are forceful or don't display love. I know I have. But when that happens, we roll our shoulders back, we lift our heads, we take our hurts to the Lord, we use the word as our sword and our shield, and we let the gifts that are in the people now in this season, we let those good gifts help us to heal until we feel strong enough for the journey again because he makes all things new. Now, others of us, if we don't fear the spiritual gifts, I think we just forget all about them. What, spiritual gifts, what? Just, you know, does it say that? I don't think so. And I think that happens because deep down inside, you believe that you don't have a spiritual gift. And let me tell you something, I'm talking specifically to you at this particular moment, that is not true. You have a spiritual gift. You probably have several. Um, let me tell you a quick gift, I mean, a quick story about um, spiritual gifts and forgetting about them. Okay, so the last time I was here, I told you about this man named Reinhard Bonnke, and um, I told you that he had this amazing ministry and he talked a lot about the Holy Spirit. He did amazing things. Um, and I think I also mentioned that he had a very hard childhood. He grew up very poor, very, very poor in post-war Germany. And um, they were so poor, he said that candy was such a rarity that they received it at most once a year, if that. But he said that on the days when he would get home from school and he would see one of his siblings with a piece of candy in their mouths, he said he never tried to take the candy out of their mouth. Rather, he said he would stop and he would think quickly to himself, where did they get the candy? Where did they get the candy? And he said very quickly it would come to him. There could only be one source for the candy, mother. And he would go running to his mother, running to his mother, because he knew his mother loved him. He knew his mother would never have a piece of candy for his brother and not have one for him. No way. And so he would hold his hands out. He wouldn't even say anything. And she would put the candy right into his hand. And he said, in the same way, when you see another Christian operating their spiritual gift, you don't get jealous. You don't get envious. You definitely don't start feeling badly about yourself and shrink down. You stop and you think to yourself, there can only be one source. There can only be one source for power like that. And you go run to him. He has a gift for you. He wants you to know what the gift is. Your doubts your weaknesses, your imperfections do not repel him. They attract him to you. He wants to do something great through you and all he needs is your cooperation. All right, 
We have talked a lot. We've had two messages now just talking about the Holy Spirit, just putting that foundation in place. And now I'm gonna, you know, enter into the danger zone just a little bit and just let's just talk a little bit more specifically about the gifts. Is that all right with y'all? Okay. All right. I'm gonna move quickly now, okay? Um, let me just say, y'all, when I looked at everything, I could have talked for nine hours about this. I kid you not, nine hours trying to just fold it down into like 32 minutes. So I'm gonna move really quickly. And what I want you to do is go home and read through the scriptures yourselves so that the Holy Spirit can be talking to you as you read. He can illuminate to you, oh, this is what I wanna do through you. This is what I wanna say to you, right? Okay, he's, he's the real messenger. Don't let me get in the way. But here we go. Okay, first, spiritual gifts are touched on in a few different places in the Bible, okay? So you have Romans 12, 6 through 8. You have 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. You have 1 Peter 4. You have Ephesians 4. A couple of different places. Look it up. Um, but what's interesting is that there's actually no universal agreement on how many spiritual gifts exist. Some people say nine, some say 11, some say 22, some say hundreds and hundreds. And that's, I'm serious about that. No universal agreement on it. And so rather than getting hung up on the number of gifts, because the infighting does us no good, I think what's more prudent is to examine three categories, three expressions, three ways that the Holy Spirit is expressing himself through the gifts. And so those three categories, four gifts that the majority of the gifts fall into are revelation gifts, power gifts, and speaking gifts. Okay, again, gonna move quickly through this. All right, first category, revelation gifts. This includes uh, a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, and discernment. Okay, what's the difference between a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge? I'm glad you asked. A word of wisdom usually pertains to the greater plans and purposes of the Lord, usually set in the future tense. So, for example, God's justice will reign. Future tense, big, broad versus a word of knowledge usually pertains to a person, place, or thing in the present tense, sometimes in the past. So you might be about to go pray for someone and they're saying, pray for my foot, pray for my foot, right? And the Holy Spirit says, she's lonely, she misses her mother. Now, why is he telling you that? So you can gossip? No. So you can pray for what's really, what's really at heart right, along with the foot. Okay, cool. And then uh, finally, uh, discernment or insight, insight into the spiritual world. The only person that I know that has ever personally come to me and said, I have the gift of discernment is my counselor. And I knew her for a long time before she ever told me. And when she told me, I went away from the conversation rejoicing because I thought, man, that's so cool that she's able to bring her spiritual gift into her work life. Now, to be clear, this woman is very educated, very educated, a lot of textbook knowledge, very smart. 
She can walk you through emotional wounds and emotional trauma and boundaries, and she does all of that really well. But she's also serving a large Christian clientele. And what are people asking her to do most of the time, whether or not they realize it? They are asking her to help them discern, is this from the Lord or not, right? I feel like God told me to quit my job. I feel like God told me to break up with him, right? And so she's bringing the textbook knowledge in, but she's also able to bring her spiritual gifts in. And I just thought, hallelujah. And that's a word for somebody in here today. Bring your spiritual gifts into the nine to five and bless those other people that are sitting around you wondering, am I the only Christian? Am I the only one that goes home and reads the word at night? And they're not, and they need to know that you're there. Okay, moving on. Category number two, power. Yes, love these people. They are the Navy SEAL Dr. Quinn medicine women of the body of Christ, and we need them. This category includes, again, not limited to, just giving you a broad, big framework, includes faith, miracles, healings, a plural, for you shall do more than one. These people are able to suspend the natural so that the supernatural can flow. I have chills able to believe the word of God until it comes to pass, able to speak the word of God until it comes to pass, heal the sick, destroy the works of the devil. Amazing. Moving on, almost out of time. Category three, speaking gifts. These are my people, but you knew that. All right. Um, this category we have in it prophecy, we have tongues, and we have the interpretation of tongues. I want to stop on prophecy for a moment because this is the one gift that Paul seems to exalt above the others. He's not saying that they're not all equal. He's not saying they don't all have value, but he specifically writes uh, that we should desire the gift of prophecy. Everybody, 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 everybody should desire the gift of prophecy. Why is that? Because the gift of prophecy in its simplest form simply means to listen to the Lord and communicate a divine message of edification, exhortation, and comfort. Or put into 2020 two terms, uh, it's when you listen to the Lord and you communicate a message to another believer that builds them up, that strengthens them, that encourages them, that brings them some relief from pain and hardship that they might be experiencing. And isn't that something that we all need? And so he tells us, he tells us to desire this gift so that when we meet other believers, when we are in church, when we are in our community groups, we would be able to do that for one another, to encourage one another. And I think a lot of people read over this portion of scripture and they skip it because they say, well, I'm not a prophet, that's not me. And that's probably true. Because when we're talking about a prophet, 
or we're talking about the prophetic voice or we're talking about prophetic gifts, what we're talking about is someone that is not only operating the gift of prophecy, but is also operating one of the revelation gifts. So you're taking a word of encouragement, a word of building up, plus, for example, a word of wisdom, greater plans and purposes of the Lord set in the future tense, pow! Or you're taking the gift of prophecy, word of encouragement, word of comfort, plus a word of knowledge, person, place, or thing set in the present tense, pow! But we're not all going to do that. Paul said, not all of us are apostles. Not all of us are prophets. Not all of us are teachers or leaders. And that's okay. We don't have to do that. However, being able to stir somebody up, spur them on, help them get back on the road, help them move closer to God, that is something that you can and you will and you shall do. Desire to do that, for it builds the Lord's church. And as I mentioned, tongues, heavenly language, will build your prayer life like nothing else. And uh, the interpretation of tongues rounds out that category. Okay, um, some of you may be wondering, how do I identify my spiritual gift? Okay, so there are very like technical answers that I could give you. Um, and let me just say, in all seriousness, you can take a quiz. You can just Google it. There are a ton of quizzes on the internet and, and they will guide you. But my advice to you is that you pray and don't overlook that. It was a regular day when I was praying and I received the call um, uh, from God on my life. It was a regular Sunday that I was at church, my old church, and I prayed and someone laid their hands on me and I received the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Prayer is how you and God are gonna be spending time together for the rest of your life. So just get used to it and pray and let him speak to you and tell you how he wants to use you. Second piece of advice for identifying your spiritual gift is to be in community. Um, to let other believers spend time with you and call things out of you. This is what I see in you. This is how I see the Lord using you. That happens more and more in my community group. And it's so beautiful to witness these gifts coming to life because somebody else is breathing life into what God put inside of you and already wants to bring out. Um, and then the third way is to serve. Just jump in and serve and see where your heart races. See, see what calls to you. See where you're naturally being pulled. And you don't have to necessarily wait to serve in church. Um, you're serving people in your household all the time. How are you showing up for those people? They're members of the body of Christ, you know. What do they come to you for? What, you know, are they coming to you for a word of encouragement? Do they need you to lead? Do they need you to heal, right? So many different ways you're already being used. And man, I'm so glad I looked at you because you reminded me. Um, let me just say, y'all, please, um, don't just think about adults when we're talking about spiritual gifts. Um, you've dedicated your children to the Lord 
they are already his, and they have spiritual gifts as well. And praying to understand, when is my daughter's spiritual gift, right? Because I would so much rather she grow up and skip the hardship that I went through. I would so much she rather just kind of get it right from the beginning and walk with the Lord. Um, so understanding that so that I can help fan that into flame too. Um, okay, uh, last question. Can I pick my gift? No, beloved. <laughs> Every time I get scammed in the subway, I wish I had the gift of discernment, but I do not. I'm gullible. Um, no, you can't pick your gift, but that is okay because the Holy Spirit knows what he's doing and he's the one that distributes and he's the one that decides. Y'all listen, we don't need another Alvin, okay? We need a Theodore and a Simon and I'm not talking about the Bible, I'm talking about the chipmunks, okay? Listen, Alvin can sing. Alvin has personality, but he wouldn't be nothing without Simon and Theodore, okay? That Christmas album would have never gone to number one. And why am I talking about the chipmunks besides the fact that I just love them? Um, I'm, I'm talking about the chipmunks to make you smile, um, to lighten things up, and to really uh, show you that truly, it is the diversity in the body of Christ. It is the difference of gifts that brings the harmony that we truly seek, the harmony that truly makes us sound beautiful. And there are so many other gifts that I didn't even touch on, encouragement, serving, teaching. Did you know generosity is one? The diversity in the body of Christ is just amazing. We have different backgrounds and different cultures and different ways of understanding things, but it's all coming together for one purpose, which is to build up the church. And being the unified temple of God is what really matters at the end of the day. And in order for us to do what we're supposed to do, we need everyone. We need everybody. Don't drop out. We need everybody. And so what I'm inviting you to do today is to spend time with the Lord, especially this summer, letting your fruit and your gifts come to life. I'm inviting you to find out even more about who you were always meant to be. The Holy Spirit has given each one of us a gift. And if we would all just bring them forward to the table, what a world it would be. Let's pray. Mm. Lord, I invite you into this time I just wanna make space for you to just sit and for your power, your electricity to just course through each one of us. I believe that you're speaking. I don't believe it was an accident that anyone was here today or is listening to this message right now. 
Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you that you touch our hearts. Thank you that you see us. Thank you that you've never, ever, not for one second, forgotten about us. Thank you that you promised to bless us with more, more. Thank you for our 